Just another weekly podcast coming at you. It's been a uh, couple weeks since Jack and I have spoken and recorded a pod. We knocked out like three in a row. Video pod, 79, 80, 81, whatever it was, um, back to back to back prior to our trip away. But we're back here for you guys with episode 82. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Jack, it's been a minute. How you holding up out there in uh, Rhode Island? Yeah, it seems like ages, Tom. We uh, we uh, escaped the snowstorm. We were able to, you know, get the snow shoveled off. But um, yeah, it's it's it was a big snowstorm here. Luckily, we didn't lose power or heat or anything. So mm-hmm. we had a fun weekend playing like toddlers in the snow again, which is always fun. A, a good snowstorm brings out the kid and everyone. I think. Um, it does. Yeah. How much did you end up getting out there? Was it like a foot, two feet? What was the final total? I don't honestly know the the final inch total. We kind of we kind of stopped counting after like eighteen or so. I think, Jeez. but I think we got almost. I think we got almost like two feet. I mean, it's deep, and now with all the roads plowed and stuff, it's like the yeah you know, the, the mounds. mounds of snow on the side of the road. Yeah, it's insane. Well, but, the Midwest has got it coming now. I think starting tomorrow, as in Tuesday night. We got like between eight and sixteen inches coming our way over the next two or three days, so it's coming our way. Um, I was kind of secretly hoping for a power outage, so I don't have to work for a day. But <laughs> it's that's stupid to say. I don't hope for a power outage. That's me being that's first world complaint right there. But um, I was also going to ask you. Or I was going to say you said it's been like forever. It's been two weeks since we talked, really. But I was just telling Kyle when I walked over here that I feel like. When you're with someone over and over and over again, like you and me when we were doing all the pods back to back to back like that, we were talking every day. Mm-hmm. I feel like then when you go from that to not talking for a couple of days, or in our case, a week or two, it seems way longer than it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, for sure. When I walked into Kyle's front door today and Mr. Schultz opened the door and Kyle was there, I was like, God, I feel like I haven't seen you guys in forever. But now <laughs> it was literally like six days because we were in Arizona yeah. with each other 24-7 for like four days. So I don't know. It's just, just an observation I had. But, um, definitely see that. Yeah, so it's, it's good to hear your voice again, Jack. We miss you out here in Michigan. Um, hope school is going well. But I got to say, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but Matthew Stafford is going to the Super Bowl, and everyone who's not a Lions fan is making fun of us because they don't understand the pain and torment that we've gone through. But, I mean, the sad thing is, is if, if Stafford does raise that Lombardi trophy two weeks from now and um, we're all tuned in, is that the closest we're going to get to a championship feeling in an NFL Probably. season for Detroit fans? That's what I'm concerned about. Like, we're all so excited for this. The Lions aren't even in the Super Bowl. Like, this is a former player. Like, why do we even care? Lions, <laughs> I think there might be more Lions fans rooting than there are even Rams I fans. I literally think there is. There's not even, like, that many Rams fans. I in, literally in, you know, think there is. In the world or in the country, I mean. I would say, to be honest with you, you know how Twitter, they do those maps of, like, showing which states are rooting for which teams in the Super Bowl yeah. this year or whatever. I'm not joking you. I think we're St. Louis at Missouri, right? Yeah. I think Missouri might be Rams, California might be Rams, and Michigan might be Rams. I think the rest of the world is probably Bengals. Joe Burrow yeah. is America's sweetheart right now. Everybody loves the guy. They love his charisma, his swagger. He's the young stud in the league. But I, I legitimately think that might be the only three states. I say St. Louis because the Rams, you know, that's their actual fan bases before they move to LA. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's, I'm sure you I'm guys torn. saw. I'm torn. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you know, like, like you said, like I Joe am Burrow's, too a bit. 
Joe Burrow, you know, he's the man. He's he's America's sweetheart, like you said. But mm-hmm. I just I can't I can't watch Matthew Stafford throughout his whole career do what he did for you know for the Lions organization and go here in his first year on a new team, mm-hmm. make to the Super Bowl. I can't not root for him in that situation. That's so. that's what I'm saying too. And yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, for, this is just my opinion. I know some people from Detroit and even outside of Detroit think Stafford is the guy. He's one of the best in the NFL, top three, top five, whatever. Me, personally, I'd probably pin him as like a top ten quarterback, maybe top seven or so. It depends who retires and who doesn't this year, I guess. But regardless, mm-hmm. the reason I want him to win so bad is just because I genuinely think he's a good dude. It seemed like, yeah. you know, like we said, he's been through a lot in Detroit. You know, you're coming out of college, a winner, number one overall pick, and then you go to a franchise, an organization that just finds ways to lose and to ruin careers and has bad relationship with players. But I feel like he always was just super generous to the fans. Uh, I, and I feel like he really, you know, put his best effort into everything in Detroit. I think he, I think he actually enjoyed playing here. I like, I think he liked having the chip on his shoulder and stuff, but Absolutely. for him to go get the monkey off his back. And, you know, we all hoped for like, he goes to LA and wins. It'd be so cool. But even mm-hmm. I didn't think it would happen in the first year, let alone get to the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. um, I was saying, you know, I hope Stafford goes there within a couple of years and wins and then comes home. But I don't know if that'll ever actually happen, but it'd be crazy if he won the first year there. I'd be so happy for him. I don't want to be the, uh, you know, I told you so guy, but I did get at least half of my prediction right. I believe on the earlier podcast, I had the Rams. I think I said the Chiefs. Yeah. So I was slightly off. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I honestly, you know, I'm going to be rooting for the Rams. I mm-hmm. think the Rams are are going to win just because it's like, you know, the the biggest weakness of the Bengals is their O-line. And that's probably, that's, you know, arguably the strength of the Rams. Yeah. Um, so if they're able to, you know, limit the amount of like plays that Joey Burrow was tight, that was, you know, the plays that he was making in the Chiefs game, mm-hmm. if they can limit those type of plays, um, I think the Rams can, you know, kind of control that game a little bit and win. But it's, I don't know, it's going to be crazy. I'm excited. Yeah, I think the initial spread was set at Rams minus four. I think that's looking a little tasty for me. I like Rams minus four, I think. <laughs> but um, I it's, it could go either way. Um, I hope it's not a blowout. And we talked about this before, how the Super Bowl being a blowout is a big letdown yeah. sometimes. But let me tell you, Jack, maybe I spoke too soon when I said MLW has the most electric postseason. Because this NFL postseason... Is this the greatest postseason in it's sports been, history? This is incredible. Honestly, I think so. I think so. I mean, it's it's been phenomenal uh, across Every the board. Game, it's been phenomenal. Every game, at least the past six games, both divisional weekend and championship weekend, have just been crazy. I did not see the yeah. Bengals thing coming. Like I've been rooting for them the whole time because I like I like the underdog story. I like Joe Burrow. Um, they're young and they're exciting, but I didn't think in a million years they'd make it out of the AFC. I thought the yeah. Chiefs. You thought you saw the Chiefs Bills game, and you're thinking, okay, whoever wins this game is going to march onto the Super Bowl. And then they were mm-hmm. down twenty-one to three, and you're like, oh, this is over. And then I had yeah. the TV kind of on in the background, and then here come the Bengals. Here comes Joey. Slowly B. but surely, slowly but surely, <laughs> man. Is they a just dog, man. They hung around. Their defense was phenomenal in the second half. Oh, really, I know. you know, just gave Patrick Mahomes fits. Yeah, two um, good defenses in the Super Bowl. Yeah, in my opinion. Oh yeah. The Bengals defense is pretty underrated. Like they don't get a lot of hype, but they're actually they're sneaky good. If I wouldn't say sneaky even at this point. They're a really good defense. Obviously, you know, the teams in the Super Bowl so. If you hold Mahomes and the Chiefs to 3 points in the second half or any half of football, you have a great defense 
And if you lose a coin toss in overtime and find a way to win that game, that's also impressive. Uh, we haven't yeah. even gotten into the coin toss situation, but my money's on. They're going to change it. What do you think? Um, I think I don't know. if the I don't Chiefs think it. if the Chiefs beat the Bengals on their first possession, would your answer change? I think that'd be a one hundred percenter. If the Chiefs won back to back weekends on the coin toss thing, <laughs> I think it would be one hundred percent rule change. Yeah, I think it would have been really funny if the Bengals would have won the toss it and just been, went down and yeah, scored. That been because awesome. then it was like, and then it would be the all face. the Chiefs fans. Yep. Yeah, right <laughs> after them. Yeah, saying it's a good rule. I know. You don't need to change it. It's like, oh, really? I was but, hoping for the same uh, thing. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I I hope they change it. It's just way more exciting. Mm-hmm. Why not see more football? Yeah. I think uh, it's like, it's you're leaving too much up to just chance, I guess. You know, you want to see the best team win. Obviously, you got to capitalize on your opportunities. And if you got to the point where it's it's tied after four quarters of football, maybe flipping a coin to give some sort of you know decision isn't mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world. But I just think in terms of entertainment, yeah, changing the rule would probably make it more exciting. But look at us. We just talked about how this is the most exciting playoffs. And we're asking for more. We're like, yeah, they should change the rules a well, little bit. Well, I know, but get a, get you a little bit more exciting. Like that Chiefs Bills game, it was incredible. One of the greatest postseason games that I've ever watched. And it mm-hmm. felt like you had a little bit of it robbed from you. You wanted more. You always want more. So, well, yeah, I see that. But it's like you know, as a Bills fan, you you had the game in the bag with 13 seconds left, and like. No, you you let him go out you, and tie you, it you up. Love and to point like, did you really deserve to you win love that to game? You love to point fingers. I, I know, I know, I know. But let me tell you, Jack, if the Lions somehow managed to make it to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and went to overtime against arguably the best team in the league and then lost because of the coin toss, I'm not sure I would ever watch football again. I would be devastated. Yeah. Um, that would ruin with, me. Yeah, with I'd that, probably just yeah, yeah, I'd be ruined. I'd probably I'd, stop watching football. Probably start watching a lot of like water polo. Yeah, I'd be big. Um, I'd be maybe even, curling. I'd maybe be some curling. I'd be even bigger into the PBA than I already am. Um, yep. But I will say the NFL is moving in the right direction. You know, back when you and I were younger, it was actually the first point scored at all in overtime was a game winner, even a game winning field goal. That's unbelievable to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see I don't see any harm in say they go out and score a touchdown first possession. Why not give the other team the ball and say if you score a touchdown here, we'll keep playing and then the next point wins. And if not, let's just end the game. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, I hear you. Let let them try and go score. And then if, if they if they score two and it goes to you know, both teams have scored seven points, then I guess I would say next team scores. I don't know. I don't think you can do college rules in this scenario because NFL cookers are just too money. NFL kickers are unbelievable in terms of their percentages compared to college kickers. So that wouldn't really work. And yeah, you got to draw the line somewhere, but I don't know. I just feel like both teams got to be able to have the ball. It's, it's just my opinion. Just my opinion. True. But I, uh, I'm having some technical difficulties right now. Okay. Well, Jack gets that sorted out. Let me just check it out on the fans here. People that are tuning in really appreciate you. We hope you are doing well. I met a lot of people these last couple of weeks, last couple of months, who have said they listen to the podcast. This is the only podcast they listen to. It means a lot to us. I appreciate it. Um, I'll give a special shout out to Oliver and AJ, who I met in Arizona. Said they're piping up listeners. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. It was great meeting you. All right, Jack is back on the mic. It is now time for today's Q of the Day. Q, 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 Q of the Day. 
back on another segment of Q of the Day here on Pipe It Up. For those of you who are new listeners from the YouTube video, um, as you know, we do a question of the day every single podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, uh, please submit them in our DMs to our Instagram account at Pipe It Up MLW. You also should follow that account for some bonus content as well. But enough of that. This week's question comes from Jack Kelly. Thanks for your question, Jack. And he said, what do you guys think the next best possible trade could be in MLW? Jack, do you have any thoughts on someone who you could see being shopped around for a potential trade, maybe in the 2022 season or in the offseason even? Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a couple There's a couple teams that I think could, could benefit from trying to go through some trade talks, a couple different teams. One, I think... Uh, the Predators, like I kind of talked about and on that video podcast, just the Predators being sort of one, you know, good hitting piece away mm -hmm. from being a really dangerous team. And they have that second spot. But let's say, for example, uh, Alec being the manager decides, you know, he doesn't want to risk uh, taking a draft pick, right? Okay. Because, you know, he may or may not turn out. We saw them draft Rudy Ramirez, I think, um, Rudy would say, you know, he probably didn't have a great year at the play. Alec, maybe I wouldn't say was disappointed with his play, but maybe expected a little bit more. And so maybe them going out and trading for someone could be valuable to them. So someone I thought that might actually be a realistic trade was actually Andy Durand. Oh, because the Cobras now, when you think about it, the Cobras have Drew Davis, Brendan Baranowski, Sean Flynn, all three you know, very solid hitters. True, yeah. And, and Sean's got a lot of potential with that bat in the postseason. He hit very well. He does. We've seen we've seen that kind of theme of, you know, the great teams really narrowing it down to, to three-man lineups more. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that Andy might be a guy where they could potentially actually shop him around, send him to the Predators, and maybe potentially even get that first that pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. And so now they have some some ammo in the draft for Drew to really build. And I just think that, you know, like I said, the Predators might be able to kind of benefit from that if they can get one, you know, known piece, not not a draft pick like for the future, but something that someone they know what they're going to get from him and to try to make another run back to that title. So I think that that's like a realistic trade. No, I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, Andy's been a guy who's a, he's a proven player in this league. He's successful, very athletic, um, can hit the ball, has seen a lot of the arms around the league, so he knows what he's getting into. As well as you can make an argument, this is just my opinion, but maybe you think, oh, Andy's, like, worth more than a number two draft pick. You know, he's an established player, he's a great hitter, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's a guy that's also known for nothing against him at all. He has other commitments in life, but he hasn't shown up to every series. You know what I mean? So you, you could say his his stock is a little bit lower than what it could be if he was an everyday type of guy. And maybe he does turn yeah. into that everyday type of guy, but at this point, you can't necessarily guarantee that based on just his past. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I was thinking along, uh, you know, along those same lines is that the Predators can can get some use out of him. Mm -hmm. I think that that number one draft pick, like you said, with his with his commitments is is a pretty fair uh, pretty fair trade. And, you know, frankly, maybe Drew is looking to get some younger kids who are a little bit more committed to developing yeah. mm -hmm. and will be able to lead the Cobras 
you know, in, in future years, looking, looking ahead, obviously, you know, towards this next year, but even beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's a great point. I, um, I never thought about Andy as a potential trade piece, but he's a guy who's moved around before he started on Mm -hmm. the Cobras, went to the Eagles, then came back to the coastal nation. And, uh, maybe he's looking for a change of scenery. I don't know. Maybe it's good for him. Um, he's been successful, but has his wiffle ball career peaked? I guess we shall wait and see. (laughs) Um, I also brainstormed upon this question, thought about who I could see being shopped around this offseason as I pondered through the rosters. And uh, I think, like you said, the first thing that comes to mind is who, is, who has depth, you know what I mean? Because um, mm-hmm. teams, like you said, have been successful in the past with three guy, three-man lineups. Um, we saw the Wildcats and the Diamondbacks in the World Series kind of sporting that three-man look. And um, so that's kind of one of the first things I thought about was the Diamondbacks. They saw Norp and Heath as really their everyday guys last year. But they also featured Shima and Ben Wilson, who both are, you know, decent hitters, very competent players. I wouldn't say they're studs by any means, but Ben Wilson has shown a lot of power in his bat, and Shima's very solid in the field. Um, He's experienced now, postseason experience, a ring under his belt, and uh, he's a guy who can also hit it out of the park. So I don't know what it's like in the Diamondbacks locker room if they want to keep all those four guys to have a good sub or if Jimmy would be willing to shop around either a Shima or a Ben Wilson for maybe a future pick or something like that just to keep the Diamondbacks on the right track for the future. I know Jimmy's a pretty savvy guy, so I could see him making a move like that, if that makes sense. I totally agree. When I was thinking about this question, I had that written down. I had Ben Wilson. I thought that he would be the more uh, logical choice for Jimmy to trade um, and potentially you know, move up in the draft a little bit. Uh, those their core three clearly, you know, virtually unstoppable mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Um, and so he could kind of look. Ben Wilson's a valuable player. He's a really yeah. good hitter. He's shown that he can be clutch when he needs to. And I think a lot of teams could benefit from a hitter like that. So I, it's funny that we I had the same thing written down. So yeah. Um, and I think. Part of the reason we're saying, you know, Ben Wilson's valuable and you're saying, well, Ben Wilson's not that great. He doesn't even play all that much. Well, here's the thing about wiffle ball and about wiffle ball draft classes. As we've mentioned before on this podcast and throughout the years even, is Ben Wilson can, has proven that he can play the game. He can play the game at a very competitive level. Now, you may see some kid who, let's say he's 18, coming off of a 10-year baseball career, just played varsity, started, all that kind of stuff. But we've seen guys who have played at the Division One level of baseball, Big Ten baseball, and I've gone to the wiffle ball field and couldn't have hit that thing with a tennis racket. You know what I mean? That's so true. to be proven as a whiffler is important, and it really boosts your stock compared to a draft pick who can be seen more as a wild card. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. That's what I like to think about a lot. Um, if I had to say one more name for a potential trade, I'd say this one's a bit of a hot take, but you never know. You never know. Um, when you think of deep rosters, I immediately think of the Eastern Eagles. They have a lot of yeah. guys, a lot of guys who have played – for many years, um, Daniel Schultz and Zach Whalen, Neil Smith. Now they have Dallas Allen. They have Blade Walker, who didn't play a lot last year. As Whoa, there's a good voice crack there, boys. <laughs> Clip it for the montage. And uh, as well as Clayton Price, who's been injured. Now, I don't know what the market would be like necessarily for Neil Smith and Clayton Price. as they're, They've been there for Daniel throughout the years. Um, they've been kind of getting less playing time throughout the years, but the core that the Eagles featured this year was Daniel, Zach, and Dallas. Those were like the three that were everyday guys. Now, Dallas has a teammate from Travel Baseball that Daniel also drafted, Blade, who I think fits so well in that organization. 
But if Daniel likes the team he has now, would anybody else be interested in Blade? Would someone make an offer for Blade? It's just something to think about. You know what I mean? I thought the same thing. I couldn't really narrow down to one person where I could realistically see Dan trading because it's almost like to me, you know, let's say hypothetically Dan was trying to trade Clayton Price. I feel like if I'm Clayton Price and I'm getting traded off the Eagles, I'm probably just going to hang up the cleats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm gonna, exactly. I'm going to die. I'm going to die as an Eagle. You know, I'm going to retire <laughs> yes. as an Eagle. Uh, honestly, I think the same for Neil Smith, like mm-hmm. him going to a different team and playing. I'd say that I for all really... those guys, all those guys. Yeah. Honestly. I, yeah. So I was thinking maybe, you know, Dan tries to shop blade around, but I also think Dan's a smart guy and, and sees the potential in blade and might mm-hmm. want to have him, you know, kind of stick around for, for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like I said, it's a good fit. We talked about how Bonham was a good fit on the magic. I think blade is a good fit on the Eagles. So I think it would take a lot for him to leave. Um, mm-hmm. just cause he's with his buddy Dallas. I think he's gotten, even though he didn't appear in every series, he was there at the Meadows for a lot and even traveled with us. So he's gotten to know the Eagles team pretty well. And I think he, he'd be a great fit in the future. So I expect him to be suiting up a bit more often this year for the Eagles, but you never know. Maybe someone swoops in, gives dirty Dan an offer. That's too tasty to resist. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dan's a businessman. He's a businessman. If, the, if, the, deal, the, the, if day, the deal's there to be made, he'll make it. I know that for trust sure. Trust me, Dan knows. I, th- I tell him. I said, when there's, a, when there's a good deal, Dan, you got to pounce like a Bengal tiger, man. You can't sit around and wait. I would tell my I heard parents. Dan's favorite book is Art of the Deal. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Dan's a big reader. I should ask him about that. I bet he is. I miss that guy. Dan, give me a call yeah. or text every once in a while, man. Gosh, maybe Dan will come home for the Super Bowl. Just maybe. I don't know. I, I hear he's having a pretty good time at Michigan, so it might be hard to drag him away from Ann Arbor. But mm. Dirty Dan's a uh, a staple at the Coughlin Super Bowl party, so maybe uh, I'll send him a, I'll send him a personal invitation. I'll give him a call, maybe even a FaceTime if I'm feeling extra generous. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you, Jack, for your question. That was our little trade talk. So uh, stay tuned. See if any of these things come to fruition. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back to present day. No more fairy tales in my head of me somehow getting Blade Walker from Daniel Schultz. But um, anyway, Jack, since we last spoke, I did take a, tr- take a trip out west with some of the boys to the uh, old Valley Whiffs tournament, huh? I saw that. That looked incredible. Just all the, all the content was great. Um, but I want to hear, I want to hear what it was like, what it was like, you know, working that um, we, uh, how did it start the travel, the weather? Give me the, give me the basic small talk to start. Well, you know, I, we're, we're getting into the routine of traveling a little bit. Um, I know we, yeah. we've done our fair share of road trips and flying places, which is super cool, super blessed to say that we've been able to do that. But, um, for me, you know, I'm learning my way around the airport. I'm getting more familiar with the process. It's feeling more like a routine than it is such a, um, such a foreign thing as I would have said a couple of years ago. But first things first, I always think, um, I don't know what your take is on this, but when you're leaving Michigan, going somewhere warm and you're very tight on luggage, you know, I don't check a bag for these tournaments. I usually bring a backpack and it will carry on. That's it. Mm-hmm. So we're leaving 10 degree Michigan and knowing we're going to return to like sub zero Michigan, but I still didn't wear a coat. I was not going to bring <laughs> a giant North face to the airport and lug it around in Arizona and have that thing in my lap on the plane ride. So I tough it out. 
I wear like a hoodie and a little vest. And um, so that's the first thing. I think it's the right move. Most of us don't I wear think coats. That's the play. But I think it's the play. You got to suffer play, a little yeah. bit, but that when you do return home, it's miserable. So yeah, yeah. The, the vibes are we leave a cold, snowy Michigan, knowing we're flying into a nice high 60s, low 70s, sunny Arizona, which we've never been to, by the way. I don't think the Schultzes were there, I think, for a little vacation a few years back, but I've never been there. So I was mm-hmm. excited. I've never been in that kind of climate, like a desert like that. So it's weird. You know, you're flying in. And, you know, you leave the Midwest. When you fly over the Midwest, you know, it's just, it's, in the summer, it's green, it's lakes, it's crops, that kind of thing. And in the wintertime, it's just, everything's kind of dead. But, you know, the grass is still either green or it's snow on the ground. So in this case, Mm -hmm. it was snow. Now, as you fly west, all of a sudden, things just kind of turn brown, like rocks, like giant mountain ranges and, you know, these big old red rocks, deserts, you know, no, like, big bodies of water or anything like that. So it's definitely weird. Um, it's cool. I, I like flying in during the day when you start to come like back beneath the clouds and you get to see everything. It's so cool. It's a completely different planet, right? It it's really is. Different. Flying is so weird. Do, we, you, do you actually fly from like point A to point travel. B or do you teleport? Who really knows? I but, don't know. So yeah, we, uh, the flight's okay. I did get the unfortunate middle seat between two strangers, but overall wasn't too bad. Um, about a three and a half hour flight. I want to say we get there and, um, we just were chilling. We uh, got there early. We actually flew in Thursday night just because the pricing was a little bit more generous on Thursday compared to Friday. So we mm-hmm. flew in Thursday, got in late, hung out at the hotel, um, kind of all got jet lag and our sleep schedule was all screwed up. Me, I crashed on the plane because I'm like, I was on my sleep schedule still of work where I was going to bed at, you know, 10 p.m. Eastern and then waking up at 545 Eastern. So when we got on that plane, it was like an 845 or 9 o'clock flight that left. I was exhausted from the work week. I crashed by like 9.30. I was out, and I slept, the, <laughs> I slept the whole way. So getting up off the plane was miserable. I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of my slumber right now, and I got to get up and <laughs> get my luggage and stuff. <laughs> but then when I got to the hotel, I was wide awake. So I was oh, up. that's the worst. So I was up to like 2 a.m. mountain time, which was like 4 a.m. Eastern. So I'm all screwed up. You're all whacked I was out. all out of whack the whole weekend. But overall, yeah, Thursday was fun. Friday was a good time. We went down there, shot some TikToks. As you guys probably saw that one of us four all throwing at the same time. And it's just cool yeah. like to play wiffle ball in a different environment. You know, we're playing, like I said, on this like dead, you know, warm climate grass, background just mountain ranges in the distance. It's I was joking all weekend. I'm a big Bob Ross fan. And it's just like a Bob mm-hmm. Ross so your scenery is just a Bob Ross <laughs> painting. It's so cool. So awesome. that was neat for me. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the initial vibes, to be honest. It was good. We all had fun. It wasn't too hot. Like I said, I wasn't miserable. It was beautiful weather. And um, yeah. we linked up with uh, Joe Adele on Friday night, yeah. who uh, was p- part of that event. His his foundation kind of sponsored our Homer and Derby. I should say we, we raised money for the foundation. So we uh, went to dinner with him on Friday evening. And I got to know him a little bit, and it was uh, it was a great time. It was a, it was probably our best pre-tournament experience, in my opinion. What was he like? He was uh, well. It's weird as we've gotten older, you know, because he graduated yeah. high school in 2017, so he's the same age as us. What? And he was yeah, drafted right out of high school, tenth overall. Oh my gosh! So, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, super young, tenth overall out of high school, and um, we met him at some mall in Mesa, Arizona, and uh, went to dinner and. Um, just chatted it up 
Um, like I said, it's not much different than like you and I talking. Yeah, I mean, it's really yeah. Not. No, that's crazy. But um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it is weird. I feel like yeah, so getting we, older, it's just lame. Like everyone's like, oh, this guy's gonna. Pretty soon they're gonna be younger than us, Jack. We're not. Yeah, far away I know. That. I know. That's nuts. But um, you, you mentioned like some of the TikToks and other content. I wasn't even really familiar of the other guest appearances. So you want to just talk a little bit about the other guest appearances? Yeah. So in addition to Joe Adele, um, Tara Lynn who is a female baseball sports personality. Uh, she was also there and filmed some content with us. So she was also at dinner, um, filmed some TikToks with us, got to know her and tell about her, her experiences. She's worked with the Mets and stuff like that. And then also on Saturday, during the Joe Adele Foundation Home Run Derby, um, Eric Sim, a.k.a. the King of Juco, who is another baseball influencer, um, you may have seen him on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, also came out and shot some content, interacted with the kids in attendance, um, got to meet us. And um, so, yeah, it was honestly really cool, collaborative. It's come something kind of new for us, and it just kind of shows, like, it's hard to get people to, like, come to Michigan, you know? I feel like we're the only ones up here, which is I never really realized. Yeah. But then in Arizona, they're just, like, name-dropping everybody who lives out there and who trains out there and plays spring training here and there. It's like, dang, everyone in baseball seems to be out here on the West, West Coast. So it was cool. It was cool. Definitely new. And like I said, um, Aside from the tournament gameplay, like, yeah, the pre-tournament experience was great. The home run derby was amazing, and the gameplay was good, too. So, all in all, it was just a, it was a great experience. What would you, what would you describe? Because we've kind of talked about it some of the other tournaments, just the general, like, vibe, I guess you will, or, or personality of, or feel sort of, like, of the region and the people there. Was Arizona different in any way from some of the other places you'd visited and some of the other tournaments at all? Um, you know, not so much. I, the biggest difference I've ever noticed in terms of like personality and the way kids have treated us was definitely going to Houston because they're just yeah. so polite down south. Arizona kind of felt similar to the Midwest personality wise. You know what I mean? The yeah. only thing that was really there was they were all commenting about how like when it was 65 in the morning, how us Michiganders were all in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm putting on sunscreen on my pale pasty skin. <laughs> I'm like, who the heck is this kid? But yeah, that was really the only thing because that's their, you know, that's the coldest time of the year for them. They get up to, you know, low 100 degree weather in the summer regularly. So that was the big, the big difference. And the game, and the gameplay was similar. You know, it was it was exceptional as always at these tournaments. Gameplay was pretty solid. Yeah, some competitive teams out there where there was a PLW team, which is a Vegas-based league. Whiffzilla was a team name who had guys from both the East Coast and that were native to Arizona. Um, Tui, if you guys are familiar with the wiffle ball scene, competitive. Tui was there throwing absolute smoke. Guy was touching ninety-five on the gun, just blowing it by people. No surprise, they won the tournament. But uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And um, the city of Mesa did a great job setting up the fields and everything. Everything looked great. There were nice wide fields, had a batter's eye set up. So it was, it was a great weekend, Jack. I wish you were, I wish you were there. But, I know. I can't wait until I make it out to one of these finally. Really all you people nice. listening out there, trust me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all my effort, not only working these tournaments, but just, you know, putting out the good vibes and hitting some dingers. I'm gonna the first the first home run derby that I'm in in one of these tournaments. I'm gonna win. I'm calling it right now. I, I could see it. I could see it. But yeah, Jack unfortunately couldn't make it. But someone who could make it was Jason Chadwick and Brendan Jorgensen, who are also joining us on the line now. If he can hear me, hello, Jason. Do you copy? Yeah, we can hear you. What's oh, up, we got them. There they are, boys. We got Good both of them. Voices. We got them both. Well, double trouble. Just oh. getting off work, man. Just getting off work. Where do you guys work? 
the YMCA here at Adrian. We just uh, we did some little kids basketballs. You know, they're very rambunctious bunch. You know, it was there. Uh, was, some of the kids were kind of uh, very difficult. Very difficult. <laughs> hey, there's nothing more college than working at the Y. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, fellas. Appreciate it. Um, Jason and Brendan both came out to Arizona. They were out there all four days with us, or five days, whatever it was. And uh, I think I got to know them pretty good compared to before. Um, I just wanted to have you guys on here to share your thoughts on your first ever real like traveling experience with MLW. Was it something that you did it go the way you thought it would, or were you a little bit surprised with certain things and how it went down? Um. Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, I think being from Trenton, um, we, we weren't really like as familiar with like all you Brighton guys beforehand mm-hmm. as we are now. I think we learned a lot about all the guys that went and it was just like a funny experience. I think the kids loved it. Even the parents loved it. Meeting all the, um, uh, big professional league guys mm-hmm. was a blast. Uh, I think it went really well. I was really glad that I went. Yeah. I think it was a little different because I mean, I kind of expected, I didn't really know how many teams are going to be there. It was a little like smaller than usual mm-hmm. just cause like it was late. You guys said you kind of advertise it late and stuff. Yep. So I kind of expected just going and getting up at like six 30 to get out there at eight for games. So we kind of got to chill out, have some breakfast, you know, me, you, uh, Jason and Warda mm-hmm. went that went downstairs in the hotel. We got some breakfast every morning. We had some, we had some good times at night. Got to go out to dinner. So it was just, it was just a chill weekend. And then obviously the football was a lot of fun. Oh, let me say something, Jack, you were saying what I noticed about Arizona. One thing for sure the pancakes in Arizona are scaled like 500% compared to your average Michigan Coney Island pancake. Oh, Jason, Jason had to have been served about 2,000 carbs throughout the entire <laughs> weekend. I'm telling you. That, was, that, was, that wasn't even the biggest size either. I'm the telling biggest you. size had a warning, and it said it could cause severe drowsiness. So. No, yeah. So there was this one breakfast spot we were at had pancakes. That one of them was called like... Was it called? Uh, was it called your mother's pancakes? What was it called? Yeah. Grand, grandma's. Grand, I don't know. Maybe gra- call them grandma's pancakes for the sake of this discussion. And yeah, it had like a warning sign underneath it. So then Ryan Cratch is like, "I'm gonna order this." So he orders it, and she goes, "Are you sure they're about this big?" And the gesture I just made is like two feet wide. Okay. So Ryan's <laughs> like, "No, let me just get the sm- the small stack." Then it was called the small stack of pancakes. <laughs> this pancake had to have been. 14 inches in diameter all the way around. <laughs> it, it was, was massive. Like, it, was, like, I, it was on an average size like dinner plate, and it was like bigger than the actual plate. Yeah, it was hanging off the side of the plate. <laughs> oh, my god, It was ridiculous. And every day they were begging. Jason just kept ordering pancakes every day. And I was like, salute <laughs> to this kid. Dude. Boy. But, hey, we were active. We were out getting getting active every day, so we were, we yeah, were working off the carbs. But uh, it was a good time. What did you guys think of uh, your ruthless captain, Tom Coughlin, on MLW Red? What do you think of his performance <laughs> in Arizona? Uh, I mean, well, I did you bring up the quote about the kids coming up to you yet? No, I have not talked about that. We don't need to. We don't need to. <laughs> Me and Jason are talking to some kids that are big fans. They weren't in the term, but they came over to talk to us and like just said they were big fans. And we were talking to them, asking them their favorite team and stuff. And Tommy comes over. The first thing the kid says to him, instead of saying, hey, man, I love watching you play football, I go, hey, you're a great podcaster, and you're a really good commentator. <laughs> Guys, this is what my life has come to, okay? I go to these tournaments. <laughs> I take off of work. I burn my vacation days to go out there and get grilled by 11-year-old kids. 
<laughs> he said it in the nicest way. Nicest way possible. It's the most backhanded compliment of all time. Hey, Tommy, I love the podcast, and you're a sick commentator. I'm like, thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the worst I've ever gotten roasted unintentionally in my entire life. Like, the, the kids have no idea that that's going to stick with Tom for the rest of his oh, life. It was, no, I told him right away. We were joking about it. He was a friendly kid, but... <laughs> You guys may or may not have seen a stat line that I posted on the weekend on the mound. Um, I really gave them my all, guys. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, stay tuned. It's not It's not over. Um, you can ask Georgie and Chatty. Day two, we were in the semifinals. I went out there and was giving it my 110%, but I just was not getting the results. I remember the first game of the tournament. We were in a tie. <laughs> oh god! Pitchers, pitchers. You know, we play four inning games. The pitchers only allowed to throw three innings. So I threw the first three innings, and it was like a one-one game. And Tom comes in to pitch the fourth. He throws three pitches that allows a walk-off bomb to some fifteen-year-old. Guys, I try. Okay, it happened. <laughs> the kid was probably sixteen, just got his driver's license, and guess what? I probably made his weekend. He'll go home. And say, I hit a home run off of the MLW kid. But guess what? I threw him a, a fastball straight down the middle at about 49 miles per hour. And he probably parked at about 95 feet to dead center. And <laughs> that's just how it goes. That's how it goes, guys. I am the butt of the joke. I've heard it all. And as you guys are seeing, Georgie and Jason are laughing because I'm not just making this up. I was the butt of the joke all weekend long because of how bad I was. And it didn't help that the kid made that <laughs> comment about me. I didn't play great in tournament. It happens. So, you know what? Me and Jack have been saying it all year long. I keep saying we can only go up from here, but I seem to be digging myself a deeper hole than we thought was possible. But well, um, I was I will say one thing. I was extremely happy I was on your losing team every single game. It's a great time. Yeah, we had the most fun in that tournament, I guarantee it. We easily had more, we had more fun than the other MLW team. Oh, That's we not definitely even close. did. We had a great time. We had a great time. We also added Brendan Schultz to our roster last second. Uh, he had a couple big knocks, a grand slam off of Whiffzilla. We uh we don't need to talk about how we scored the runs, but we almost came back and beat the eventual champs, thirteen to twelve. We just we just fell short there. But anyway, yeah, it was good getting to know. Georgie and Chadwick. I thought we all had a great time. Chadwick, I saw you sent a text message that said that was the greatest weekend of your life. Was that Cap? No, that was that was easily one of the most fun weekends I've had in my life. That's, Not even kidding. That is great. That is special. I uh, I mean, I had I can't lie. I had a good time. You know, when you're living at home with your parents and uh, you mostly just sit around on, for sure, Monday through Thursday, usually Friday and Saturday too. It was It was fun to get out, see new places, hang out with all you boys. Felt like I was back at college yeah, again, like, so it was fun. Like Jory said, it wasn't like one of like like the whiffle in the mid and you're getting up at like 6 a.m. Yeah, to yeah, go. Yeah. This one, you know, we, we'd be able to sleep in, get breakfast, head to the fields at 1. We were able to get dinner at a reasonable time. So it was a nice chill weekend. And then it we was. just kind of sat in a hotel room. I, that was some of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Yeah, we, just we had in the some, hotel room with me, we, we had some good me, laughs. Tom, Warda, and Jason. We were dying. <laughs> we, had some, we had some good laughs for sure. And yeah, for reference, guys, so our usual tournament schedule for a tournament of, you know, 45, 50 teams is, you know, we'll be at the field at quarter to seven every day, setting up gameplay from 8 till 4.20. And then, you know, by the time the home run derby wraps up on Saturday, you know, you're not leaving the field till 6 o'clock. So we're talking about a 12-hour day, 11-hour day. But because we only had about 15 teams at this tournament, um, gameplay Saturday was the actual games, I believe, were from 1 to 4, and then home run derby after. And then Sunday was like 10 to 4. So 
much shorter, a lot less stressful. I told Jason and Jorgie they got off the hook pretty easily because it was a lot less work than other guys have had to do in past in terms of when they travel to events. But um, no, we had a good time. It also worked out too because it was Kyle Schultz's birthday on Saturday. Happy birthday, Kyle! Jordan year. So that was. I think he had a great birthday. We, you know, we hung out with Joe Adele, Eric Sim, made content, met a lot of fans, went out to dinner. It was just. It was. A, it was a fun weekend for sure. Thanks for calling in, boys, and sharing your experience in Arizona. If you guys have any questions about the event, want to hear more about it, feel free to send a DM to Jason or Brendan on Instagram. But thanks again, fellas. Have a good rest of your night. Yep. See you, Tom. Man, you too. Go Mallards. See ya. Go Mallards. We need the support. We need it. <laughs> uh, see you guys. See you. Well, unfortunately, it sounds like I missed a really fun, laid-back tournament. But even though it might not have been as hectic and uh, stressful, maybe, as some of the other ones, Tom, um, I guess mostly looking at the new guys there, where this was kind of their first tournament, mm -hmm. who would you say was sort of the MVP from the MLW standpoint? Not necessarily in terms of play, but mm -hmm. just in the, just in their, you know, the way they represented MLW at this tournament in all things. Um, honestly, this answer might surprise you, Jack, but, um, I'd give an MVP for the last couple tournaments. I'd give it to Brendan Schultz just because, really? well, I feel like he's done a lot for the league above and beyond. He's been very dedicated. You know, he got on a separate plane from uh, Missouri where he lives, flew to Arizona, met us at the airport, helped out all weekend long, and then went back to Missouri he also drove down to Texas, I believe, and was down there helping us out. He drove to the Oklahoma series from where he was. He's been traveling a lot, you know, on his own to meet us at these places. So uh, I'd give definitely a shout out to him. And uh, other than that, I'd say, you know, everyone represents MLW pretty well for the most part, right? Yeah. I wouldn't say anyone did anything um, that I would be d too disappointed with. Um, Jorgie and Chadwick were great. It was cool for them to, you know, meet some fans. It's always good to see the guys who are newer. I always talk about that, you know, experience what we're building together because, you know, they're just as important um, as everyone else who's been here for a long time. You know, everybody plays their role in getting this thing moving. So uh, that was great. And uh, I think Warda had a good time as well. He, uh, it had been a while since he had been to a tournament out of state. So um, it was good to hang out with Warda for me too. You know, and I think the fans enjoy meeting Alec. He's super nice to the kids and parents and stuff like that. So. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, as a as a fan or uh, someone who's participating in this tournament, if you're a fan of MLW, yeah, it might be cool to go there and play in a, a big tournament with 60 plus teams. But uh, you know, if I'm putting my sh myself like in the shoes of, um, you know, let's say like an 11, 12 year old kid, I feel like it would be a lot cooler if there were actually not as many teams there, right? Because it's like you guys get a lot more interaction with the fans. The fans get more interaction with you. It's a little bit more laid back. I mean, do you kind of think that way or, or, or you know, if it was up to you, we would have like, uh, you know, a thousand teams at the tournament. I mean, yeah, I think it's like a give and take thing, pros and cons, right? Because yeah, of course, when we're scheduling these, scheduling these things and planning to go to these places and, uh, you know, weighing out our options, of course, we want to have as many teams as possible there just to maximize our experience. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of a, an intimate standpoint and having, like, you know, longer interactions with these kids and more meaningful conversations, like, yeah, the smaller tournament is the way to go. Um, we had, <clears throat> excuse me, we had a little event on Friday night when we were there filming some content with Tara. And we invited, you know, anyone who's in, in Arizona wants to come by on Friday to meet us before the tournament starts, feel free to come by. And um, a group from the younger division came by 
and uh, played some wiffle ball, like two-on-two with Alec and Chadwick and stuff like that. We're joking around, having fun for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. So that wouldn't usually happen, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I was chatting with their dad for a while. They had a really cool... Their dad actually was into film editing. Like, he edited documentaries for Discovery Channel and stuff like that. So I was picking his brain about his editing and his experiences with media. So uh, it was cool. I, I enjoy... You know, just learning from other people who we meet. I don't care if you're a film yeah. editor or not. You know, that guy I spent a little more time with than maybe a guy who didn't have that job because it was a bit relevant to us and what we do. But I, I just enjoy hearing from ki- people and them saying, you know, oh, my kids watch you for this many years and we watch it together and that kind of thing. So it's better th- to have that than, you know, at some tournaments I do feel bad because these kids are like, I'm umping a game and I'm umping for three hours straight at this field. And like, we get a picture. So I like drop my clipboard, snap a picture, and then just go back to umpiring a game. You know what I mean? So that wasn't, right, that right. wasn't the case this weekend. And I promise you, if that's ever happened to you, I, I didn't mean bad or anything like that, but I'm just trying to make sure that the tournament experience for those that are playing the games is as best as possible. So it's a hard balance. Exactly. It's a hard, it's a hard to balance out, you know? So I always try well, to I mean, I, yeah. be as personal <clears throat> as possible. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I enjoyed hearing about I, – I love hearing about these tournaments just because these are – like, you know, I have a great time playing wiffle ball, but the times I have gotten to interact with fans, whether it be, you know, at the the meet and greet that was canceled and some of the, yep. you know, the diehard fans still stayed or at some of these tournaments, you know, I have been to a couple of them, but um, it's just great. I, I really get a kick out of it, so I, I love hearing about it, and, you know, I can't wait till finally I can start, you know, coming to them i'll be done with school and stuff so yeah looking forward to it you gotta just like try to put yourself in the kid's shoes and like i guess i really didn't like admire any youtubers as a kid but like like they do you know i was more in like tv and that kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. even now like i'd be stoked to meet some youtubers that i watch so for um, sure i don't care if you have a hundred thousand subscribers or 10 million you know the people that i watch i enjoy their content and i would love to you know meet them and thank them for the content and tell them favorite parts and that kind of thing so it's cool um I appreciate, like I said, yeah, some people poked some jokes and made some backhanded compliments, but of course, <laughs> it wasn't like I was actually mad. Like, it's all in good fun. I was joking around with the kids all weekend, and um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, traveling can be a grind. Like I said, I'm getting more of the hang of it, getting into the routine, and it always is a huge bummer coming home to frigid Michigan, especially this time of the year, but uh, I enjoyed Arizona. I enjoyed the people we met and uh, had a great time at the event overall. Speaking of content, whoever had the idea to do that pitching TikTok with the with the overlays the four guys pitching mm-hmm. that was so sweet if you guys haven't seen that video you guys got to find it and because that's just like it shows you the the variation and the difficulty of like all these different pitches on the overlay i just i just wanted to give that video a yeah. shout out because yeah, i was really sweet that was really cool, and like I said, it's cool too because you see like the mountains in the background and stuff like that. Yeah, but it was a great, Ryan's, it was a great Ryan's knuckleball, and that is disgusting. But yeah, that was what we did mm-hmm. on Friday. So like that was right before the fans showed up and stuff like that. So we were trying to, because we were down there and had the early flight, more because of cost reasons than actually filming content. We're like, well, we're here. We might as well go out there and do something instead of just sitting in a hotel room all day. You know what I mean? So, right, right. You got to make the most of your time. Try to make the most of our time for sure. I actually right before that, right before we filmed that TikTok. For like the first two hours when we left the hotel room, I actually had my AirPods in because there was a meeting at work that even though I was on vacation, 
like I didn't want to miss the meeting because I would just be behind. So I was like listening mm-hmm. to a work meeting. We're out there setting up the strike zones. It was hard to focus, but <laughs> the, the grind of being a full time employee, I guess. The grind so, don't stop. The grind don't stop. The grind it's hard don't to stop. multitask. It was hard to multitask, but I caught enough of like the key parts yeah. of it to like still be in the loop. So it was worth it. Um, but I know all my employees are like, or like my coworkers, are like you're on vacation. Why are you Why are you calling into this meeting? I'm like, well. <laughs> You want to explain this to me again next week? Because I might yeah. as well just call in now. Don't don't question me for wanting to do more work. Just say, okay, cool, and then roll with it. <laughs> I, hate pe- <laughs> I hate people who, like, try to talk you out of doing extra. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like why are you doing I have this? In life. Yeah, it's like a pet peeve I have in life. Yes, you don't have to agree with it, but don't, like, talk someone down of, like, going the extra mile of something as little as tossing in your AirPods while you're on vacation. Like, I'm sitting at my laptop, like, cooped up in the hotel room. I was still walking around doing stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. A, a pet peeve I have off topic. But yeah, as I mentioned, I enjoy getting to meet everybody in Arizona. Um, I can't wait till we have our next event. We announce our next events. And if you guys didn't see the next YouTube upload will be of all of the events we had in 2021. Yes. We're calling it the tour. So everything from the Oklahoma series to the Houston tournament to the events with Nike and TBS and everything. Everywhere we travel outside of Michigan is going to be incorporated in this one tour vlog type video so a new style video for us uh just something we wanted to try new um and yeah kyle's working on editing it as we speak it'll be up in a couple weeks so i'm excited for you guys to see that also more youtube news thank you guys to all of you who watched the video podcast and once again i told you guys to drop a like so i appreciated all of that seems like overall the fans liked it jack yeah i'm happy i thought the production was was great um i I think it's just a, a different way to view it. You know, I, I also listen to other podcasts too, and I love whenever they post little clips of them on the video, mm-hmm. just cause you can kind of see our reactions a little bit more, see the manner. It was nice to get some, you know, different, uh, different people calling in and stuff. So yeah, I would, you know, hopefully we can keep that going in the future. Hopefully you guys obviously liked it, you know, uh, comment out there, you know, let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it was fun to do. And once again, I would love to be able to put that out for you guys once a week, but I think it would, at this point in time, just put too much of a strain on my life, and the quality yeah. wouldn't be that good yet. But one day, we might get there, and it might not be as far away as you think. So um, if you guys liked it, like I said, please drop a like. Let us know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, whatever. But I know, I think it depends on the consumer, Jack. Like, for me personally, I'm not a huge podcast listener, and if I do, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, listen to a podcast, it is usually me in bed watching a video podcast. That's what I like. Yeah. To me, it's just easier for me to engage. Like if I'm multitasking and I have it in my, you know, AirPods or whatever, I'm not like you don't have my full attention. You know what I mean? So I, that's why I like to watch podcasts because I usually watch them. Um, I'm more of like an informative podcast guy. If I watch anything like that, like I like to watch like celebrity interviews and that kind of thing. So like I mm-hmm. want to have my full attention on it to try to learn something. But I know people who like likes to drive around and listen to podcasts. So I'm more of a music guy driving around. So right. I think it's just to each their own. I think, like you said, it's great to have the option to watch and listen as well. So I did upload that one to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything, as well as putting it on YouTube. So, um, yeah, it was cool. It was fun. Something new. Me and Jack have been saying we wanted to do that for a long time. So to actually put it together, release the video, was super cool. And um, no excuses, Jack. I actually record. We recorded it, got the footage in. I did the free trial of Adobe Premiere Pro on my laptop, and then... Like it, I finished, it, it. finished the video before it even expired. Yeah, 
because I can. That's incredible. The the turnaround time for Tommy, who has, I mean, not not no experience, but not a ton of experience editing videos, let alone podcast videos where he's overlaying audio and things like that. The turnaround was absolutely incredible. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed the video and definitely round of applause for, for Tommy and his efforts on that one. That was all him. Thank you. Thank you, crowd. Thank you. I can hear you, I can hear you going wild out there. Thank you. But yeah, I've had enough experience to where that wasn't too, too bad. Um, always new things to learn, but you know, it's a quick Google. You can teach yourself things pretty quickly, guys. I've done a lot of editing in iMovie. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff in Final Cut Pro, used Adobe Premiere Pro, and I've seen Kyle do work in Premiere Pro, so it's not too bad. And I know some people, I think, have a difficult time with learning things on their own, and it's a very slow learning curve, but I'm pretty quick at picking up stuff like that, so it really wasn't bad. I think I mentioned it was about a 14-hour edit for me on that video, and like the first two hours of that was just like figuring it out in general, so it really wasn't bad at all. Um, yeah, YouTube is YouTube's great for that, not only for putting your podcast videos up there, but learning how to put a podcast video yeah on youtube how to publish one you yeah, know, how to yeah, edit yeah, one. Yeah. like mm -hmm. it's it's great for that i can't tell you how many times now it's got to the point where like stuff around the house i'd be like hey dad like how do i do this like how mm -hmm. do i fix this and he'll just text back youtube yeah like, he'll just, well, he's, at, he's, least, <laughs> at least your dad does that oh my yeah. gosh to close this podcast one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when my mom will call me with like the most minor of inconveniences and i'm like mom you ever heard of google.com yeah it's this nippy thing you can type in a question and your answer will anything. most likely pop up it's Literally like, anything. oh my god it kills me sometimes jack it kills me yeah people who don't know how to use search engines but <laughs> i mean back in the They're day for back, in the day, back in the day your dad was google like that's the person you turn right. to so right yeah um, that's my two cents for this week's podcast. Completely unrelated to wiffle ball, but use your use your resources, guys. Come on, we're in twenty twenty two now. You got to use what's out there for you. Don't make life harder than it needs to be. Efficiency is the key to prosperity. Tommy Coughlin, twenty twenty two. Wow, <laughs> that's a wrap, wow. folks. We're Put that it, on a plaque. We're ending it at that. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,